Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. Plato's Apology, Part 5 But I shall be asked, why do people delight in continually conversing with you? I have told you already, Athenians, the whole truth about this matter. They like to hear the cross-examination of the pretenders to wisdom. There is amusement in it. Now, this duty of cross-examining other men has been imposed upon me by God, and has been signified to me by oracles, visions, and in every way in which the will of divine power was ever intimated to anyone. This is true, O Athenians, or, if not true, would be soon refuted. If I am or have been corrupting the youth, those of them who are now grown up and have become sensible that I gave them bad advice in the days of their youth should come forward as accusers and take their revenge. Or, if they do not like to come themselves, some of their relatives, fathers, brothers, or other kinsmen should say what evil their families have suffered at my hands. Now is their time. Many of them I see in the court. There is Crito who is of the same age and of the same deem with myself. And there is Critobulus, his son, whom I also see. Then again there is Lysanias of Sphetus, who is the father of Aeschinus. He is present. And also there is Antiphon of Cephasus, who is the father of Epigenes. And there are the brothers of several who have associated with me. There is Nicostratus, the son of Theosdotidus, and the brother of Theodotus. Now Theodotus himself is dead, and therefore he, at any rate, will not seek to stop him. And there is Paralus, the son of Demodocus, who had a brother Theages, and Adamantus, the son of Ariston, whose brother Plato is present, and Aeontodorus, who is the brother of Apollodorus, whom I also see. I might mention a great many others, some of whom Miletus should have produced as witnesses in the course of his speech. And let him still produce them, if he has forgotten. I will make way for him. And let him say, if he has any testimony of the sort which he can produce. Nay, Athenians, the very opposite is the truth. For all these are ready to witness on behalf of the corrupter, of the injurer of their kindred, as Miletus and Anatus call me. Not the corrupted youth only, there might have been a motive for that, but their uncorrupted elder relatives. Why should they too support me with their testimony? Why, indeed, except for the sake of truth and justice, and because they know that I am speaking the truth, and that Miletus is a liar? Well, Athenians, this and the like of this is all the defense which I have to offer. Yet a word more. Perhaps there may be someone who is offended at me when he calls to mind how he himself, on a similar, or even a less serious occasion, prayed and entreated the judges with many tears, and how he produced his children in court, which was a moving spectacle, together with a host of relations and friends. Whereas I, who am probably in danger of my life, will do none of these things. The contrast may occur to his mind, and he may be set against me, and vote in anger because he is displeased at me on this account. Now, if there be such a person among you, mind, I do not say that there is, 
To him I may fairly reply, My friend, I am a man, and like other men, a creature of flesh and blood, and not of wood or stone, as Homer says. And I have a family, yes, and sons, O Athenians, three in number, one almost a man, and two others who are still young. And yet I will not bring any of them hither in order to petition you for an acquittal. And why not? Not from any self-assertion or want of respect for you. Whether I am or am not afraid of death is another question, of which I will not now speak. But having regard to public opinion, I feel that such conduct would be discreditable to myself and to you and to the whole state. One who has reached my years, and who has a name for wisdom, ought not to demean himself. Whether this opinion of me be deserved or not, at any rate, the world has decided that Socrates is, in some way, superior to other men. And if those among you who are said to be superior in wisdom and courage, and any other virtue, demean themselves in this way, how shameful is their conduct. I have seen men of reputation, when they have been condemned, behaving in the strangest manner. They seemed to fancy that they were going to suffer something dreadful if they died, and that they could be immortal if you only allowed them to live. And I think that such are a dishonor to the state and that any stranger coming in would have said of them that the most eminent men of Athens, to whom the Athenians themselves give honor and command, are no better than women. And I say that these things ought not to be done by those of us who have a reputation. And if they are done, you ought not to permit them. You ought rather to show that you are far more disposed to condemn the man who gets up a doleful scene and makes the city ridiculous than him who holds his peace. But setting aside the question of public opinion, there seems to be something wrong in asking a favor of a judge, and thus procuring an acquittal, instead of informing and convincing him. For his duty is not to make a present of justice, but to give judgment. And he has sworn that he will judge according to the laws, and not according to his own good pleasure. And we ought not to encourage you, nor should you allow yourselves to be encouraged in this habit of perjury. There can be no piety in that. Do not then require me to do what I consider dishonorable and impious and wrong, especially now, when I am being tried for impiety on the indictment of Miletus. For if O men of Athens, by force of persuasion and entreaty, I could overpower your oaths, then I should be teaching you to believe that there are no gods, and in defending should simply convict myself of the charge of not believing in them. But that is not so. Far otherwise, for I do believe that there are gods, and in a sense higher than that in which any of my accusers believe in them. And to you, and to God, I commit my cause, to be determined by you as is best for you and me.
The jury deliberates and narrowly finds Socrates guilty of the charges. Socrates addresses the jury, responding to the prosecution's proposed penalty of death. There are many reasons why I am not grieved, O men of Athens, at the vote of condemnation. I expected it, and am only surprised that the votes are so nearly equal, for I had thought that the majority against me would have been far larger. But now, had thirty votes gone over to the other side, I should have been acquitted, and I may say, I think, that I have escaped Miletus. I may say more, for without the assistance of Anatus and Lycon, any one may see that he would not have had a fifth part of the votes, as the law requires, in which case he would have incurred a fine of a thousand drachma. And so he proposes death as the penalty. And what shall I propose on my part, O men of Athens? Clearly that which is my due. And what is my due? What return shall be made to the man who has never had the wit to be idle during his whole life, but has been careless of what the many care for, wealth and family interests, and military offices, and magistracies, and plots, and parties? Reflecting that I was really too honest a man to be a politician and live, I did not go where I could do no good to you or to myself, but where I could do the greatest good privately to every one of you. Thither I went, and sought to persuade every man among you that he must look to himself, and seek virtue and wisdom before he looks to his private interests, and look to the state before he looks to the interests of the state, and that this should be the order which he observes in all his actions. What shall be done to such a one? Doubtless some good thing, O men of Athens, if he has his reward and the good should be of a kind suitable to him. What would be a reward suitable to a poor man who is your benefactor, and who desires leisure that he may instruct you? There can be no reward so fitting as maintenance in the Pertanium, O men of Athens, a reward which he deserves far more than the citizen who has won the prize at Olympia in the horse or chariot race, whether the chariots were drawn by two horses or by many. For I am in want and he has enough, and he only gives you the appearance of happiness, and I give you the reality. And if I am to estimate the penalty fairly, I should say that maintenance in the Britannium is the just return. Perhaps you think that I am braving you in what I am saying now, as in what I said before about the tears and prayers, but this is not so. I speak rather because I am convinced that I never intentionally wronged anyone, although I cannot convince you. The time has been too short. If there were a law at Athens, as there is in other cities, that a capital cause should not be decided in one day, then I believe that I should have convinced you. But I cannot in a moment refute great slanders, and, as I am convinced that I never wronged another, I will assuredly not wrong myself. I will not say of myself that I deserve any evil, or propose any penalty. Why should I? Because I am afraid of the penalty of death which Miletus proposes? When I do not know whether death is a good or an evil, why should I propose a penalty which would certainly be an evil? Shall I say imprisonment? And why should I live in prison, 
and be the slave of the magistrates of the year, of the eleven? Or shall the penalty be a fine, and imprisonment until the fine is paid? There is the same objection. I should have to lie in prison for money I have none, and cannot pay. And if I say exile, and this may possibly be the penalty which you will affix, I must indeed be blinded by the love of life, if I am so irrational as to expect that when you, who are my own citizens, cannot endure my discourses and words, and have found them so grievous and odious that you will have no more of them, others are likely to endure me. No, indeed, men of Athens, that is not very likely. And what a life should I lead at my age, wandering from city to city, ever changing my place of exile, and always being driven out? For I am quite sure that wherever I go, there, as here, the young men will flock to me. And if I drive them away, their elders will drive me out at their request. And if I let them come, their fathers and friends will drive me out for their sakes. Someone will say, Yes, Socrates, but cannot you hold your tongue, and then you may go into a foreign city, and no one will interfere with you. Now, I have great difficulty in making you understand my answer to this. For if I tell you that to do as you say would be a disobedience to the God, and therefore that I cannot hold my tongue, you will not believe that I am serious. And if I say again that daily to discourse about virtue, and of those other things about which you hear me examining myself and others, is the greatest good of man, and that the unexamined life is not worth living, you are still less likely to believe me. Yet I say what is true, although a thing of which it is hard for me to persuade you. Also, I have never been accustomed to think that I deserve to suffer any harm. Had I money, I might have estimated the offense at what I was able to pay, and not have been much the worse. But I have none, and therefore I must ask you to proportion the fine to my means. Well, perhaps I could afford Amina, and therefore I propose that penalty. Plato, Crito, Critobulus, and Apollodorus, my friends here, bid me say thirty mina, and they will be the sureties. Let thirty mina be the penalty, for which sum they will be ample security to you. Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free, tis the gift to come down where we ought to be, and when we find ourselves in the place just right, will be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right.